0: your own superhero.
1: Well, listen, I'm so excited to be on here uh, for a couple different reasons. Number one is uh, I got a phone call from you. And listen, I never get a phone call from people. And so it it struck me and uh, you were so uh, gracious on the phone and I just loved it. And, uh, you know, dug into a whole bunch of your podcast. So, uh, you know, I said, I got to connect with him. I got to come on the pod. And by the way, you know, what would really help laban is is if you subscribe to this podcast if you're on youtube if you're on you know your spotify or apple Podcasts, wherever you are this guy is he's putting in the work i don't even know when this is going to drop but there's like 50 60 70 episodes in i mean give this give this man a subscribe please
0: i'm gonna have to use that one if that's okay (laughs) absolutely listen i'm here for you so Sounds to me like someone's been reading The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann.
1: Listen, I, 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 that, that is an iconic book. It's an iconic book. Um, but, uh, you know, actually I actually, haven't read it, but it's an iconic book. I, I know what it's about, and I've heard a lot of interviews uh, on it. But um, uh, yeah, T- to me, it's about, you know, giving value. I actually told you this right before coming onto the pod is that, you know, 99% of your audience has no idea who I am. They don't. And they, they, they probably don't even care about me. But they care about you. So that's why I said, like, let's make this as conversational, as an insightful as possible. And for you, you know, people want to consume you. That's why they're on this pod. So to me, uh, giving as much as, you know, getting your insights is, is uh, it's being selfish, really. Because I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions, by the way. And, um, and I'm just excited to get into it.
0: Bring it on, as they would say. Well, I've got to say for our audience as well, something else I'm going to steal from you, Sean, if it's okay. When I rang you, you answered the phone in the most unique, brilliant way that I've ever heard. And I've rang a lot of people in my life, especially I worked in telly sales outbound telly sales for a long time. And you picked up the phone and you said, hey, this is Sean. And I was like, Sean, it's Laban from Melbourne, Australia. He said, Laban, I've been waiting my whole life for this phone call. And you finally called. And for people that haven't had that, that's a really effective way of making someone feel super duper welcome. So thank you, sir. That was- Well, listen,
1: <laughs> when, I, when I had a, you know, there was a mix of a, a New Zealand and Australian accent there, and I said, I, I, I got to talk to this guy. So um, no, no, I appreciate you calling. Listen, it, you know, it's a great way of just cutting through the noise I, I, and just getting to it. So I, I really do appreciate it. Well, the reason I rang Sean was because a good friend of
0: mine, uh, Vin Jang, who uh, you've, you've seen the name, I don't know how well you know Vin, I would encourage you to connect with him and, and maybe do something similar. This guy has influenced me and many people in my life in the most profound and extraordinary way. And he was talking about this guy, this dude who won the best virtual keynote presenter in the world. And I was like, I got to check this guy out. And I jumped on the, your YouTube, Sean. And I was just like, this is this is
1: some cool stuff. <laughs> well, you know that 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 uh, that means a lot, especially from Vin too, because Vin to me um, is you know one of the best keynote speaker speakers in the world, like hands down. Like you you know I I don't know I haven't seen everybody, but he is one of the best in the world. Um, he 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 he's just like the total package and. Um, you know, means a lot, and uh, I've been following him and and seeing what he's been up to, and and uh, so yeah, that means a lot, and and you know, it, it was nice. You know, I think it, you know it was in Forbes, and it was it was nice, and you know, it was a nice recognition. And I was saying, you know, before this is, there's a lot of people behind it too. Uh, You know, I'm not into like gadgets and getting stuff and this mic and this camera. Like, I hate all of it, even though I'm a technology guy, I'm an innovation guy. And that's what I talk about. I'm more into software uh, more than anything else. But uh, yeah, there's an entire team and production team. And, you know, we've been really trying to elevate the entire virtual experience now that, you know, everyone's at home. And to be honest with you, you know, if you watched any, you know, anybody sort of navigate in this sort of presentation space during COVID, most of it looked like they were in a hostage video. And to me, it was, I, I always want to differentiate and, and be unique. And that's what innovation is all about. So uh, to me, you know, it was just in my DNA to to do something different. And um, yeah, it was great to get some recognition because I live in a city that no one's ever actually heard of, which is in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And uh, for me to make an impact uh, globally, um, you know, th- th- it means a lot.
0: It's probably where they filmed the Mighty Ducks or something the first, first time around, <laughs> maybe, was it?
1: Well, I, I I don't think they filmed here, but they they should have because it's it, you know it's a perfect setting and all the scenes look like it's from here. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I just I want to explore this this uh, this amazing accolade just a little bit deeper. And, and uh, Kevin Cruz is the the best-selling author, and uh, he's a uh, well, he, he's a phenomenal person. But he was the one that announced the award via Forbes, if I'm not mistaken. And then in doing a bit of digging three, four years ago, you were on a podcast of his. And yeah. it sounds like you might've reached out to him way back when in the same way that I sort of reached out to you. Are you able to share that story with us?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got onto Kevin's pod, uh, you know, four or five years ago, um, you know, it was 2017. But it was no, I think it was number 99 on his podcast. It, I, I was, my at the time, my friend and I had a podcast, Wang, and, uh, I think that the was one dip. of the podcasts that we list. Yeah. From the dip. Oh, you did your research and, um, yeah, I think that was the, one of the podcasts that w- I I was listening to and I love, and I, I literally just reached out to Kevin and said, Hey, I really love your pod. And then he actually asked me to come on and, um, you know, it was a great episode. Loved it. We had a great time and, you know, we sort of went on my merry way. I, I, uh, you know, we interacted a couple of times here on Twitter and then, um, yeah, and lo and behold, you know the the you know the article comes out, and you know so it was uh so it was really nice. It was really nice, and and uh, no, Kevin Kevin is amazing. He's got a great co- podcast, and he's just out there. Like he is connected with every single person on the planet. Like he's looking at all the trends. He's uh he's a best selling author, so he he knows what he's doing. <laughs>
0: well, the thing that struck me, Sean, was that he uh, when he was trying to find the best. Virtual keynote presenter, uh, he he stumbled across you, and he 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 forgot about the fact that he he'd had you on his
1: yeah. Well, you know, I thought I did a great performance on his podcast. I don't know how he forgot me, but you know, when you're when you're hundreds of podcasts guests in, you you, you certainly you sometimes forget.
0: Well, I've listened to it and 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 he really took to you like he was really endeared by you and your message, and it was it was a great podcast. But you know, it made me thought made me think like. Man, how memorable do I need to be like, when I'm when I'm talking to these people? But clearly, that had an impact. And then, you know, years later, he stumbles across this guy who's who's had to pivot like every other speaker, and you've and you've put this thing together, and it's just like this is the nail in the coffin. So it's four years in the making, really, not not just the last twelve months.
1: So you're absolutely right. I think um, there. The, you you know i think connecting with folks you, you never know what's going to happen right you never know who you're going to connect with and um you, you don't know where your trajectory is going to go I, I i fundamentally believe that um content creates luck i not not luck in terms of like you're getting revenue or you're going to achieve a certain number of you know, uh, you know, get some sort of achievement, but I think what content allows you to do, it allows you to connect with people that you've never been connected to before. And, you know, that's why I love jumping on and and meeting you because I haven't met you before, but, you know, I know I'm going to get a lot of value out of this podcast, um, because I'm going to learn a lot from you and your expertise. And then, you know, like in seven years, you're going to come to Canada you're going to be the you're going to be the best and the the, the top, uh, you know, motivational speaker on the planet. And um, you're going to be like, hey, Sean, I mean, I'm in Canada. I in I'm in uh, I'm in your neck of wood, your neck of woods. Remember that pod we did? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to connect with you again. And that's what it's all about. So to me, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you, you never know who you're going to meet. But. Things like that, you you just see the connection points, you see the convergence, and and, and to me, like that's why I, that, that's why I want to jump on with you because I, I have no idea where, where this is going to go, but um, I, I, if it's positive and we had a great experience, I the, the, it's just going to be great karma.
0: I, I love that, and I appreciate that so much, Sean. It, it um it really does mean a huge amount for me, and I almost feel uh, quite emotional uh it's these these little 1% comments that can allow me to continue to be inspired and uh it sort of it ties in beautifully you were, you had Simon Sinek on your your show the other day and and which is which is amazing by the way congratulations but what he was talking about was uh be around ideal the same idealistic people or the same that had the same ideals Just allow you to be continue you able to share a bit of that
1: um. Yeah. So, so that that was actually for a conference that I, that that I was interviewing Simon Sinek, and it was uh it was a cool, pretty cool experience because I, I've been a fan of Simon Sinek uh for a very long time, and um, I I, I think, you know, just generally, I think Simon uh you know during that conversation, I, I I'm not sure if he actually spoke about that in particular, but what was really enlightening for me uh from si- Simon was this idea of collisions right which i which i actually talk about as well you know now that everybody's sort of working from home you you kind of you kind of lose that trust right yeah you can trust people uh you know on a zoom call and you get to know each other but you get to trust them a little bit but really the trust happens in those third places it's when you're you're colliding with one another and and that's to me where innovation comes from is where you have people and ideas coming together and so we we sort of uh you know i really loved his comments there And I think, I think it comes back to, you know, your previous question, which is, which is the, you know, kind of like this, the serendipity, right. Where I was on Kevin's pod like four or five years ago. And then, you you know, then he finds me a little bit later. We're on this pod later. You're going to come to Canada and be the biggest thing on the planet. And that's just serendipity. That's about collisions. And you can't just do that. You can't just do it in you know, on zoom. So I, I, I really loved his insights there.
0: Well, I want to know more about the, the genesis of Sean and, and how you ended up because a, a lot of misconceptions around speakers and, and presenters, people that are producing a lot of the content that you and I are doing is that it it's given to us in a silver platter. And I want to know the deep, dark, dirty details of how you got into this.
1: In, in terms of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it, it it happened very organically. Like I, w- I worked at Deloitte for 12 years uh in their c- consulting group, um, leading strategy innovation, working on digital transformation innovation projects. That's what I talk on. Um, very niche disruption. Um and that's what I was uh, helping clients on. And and the way that it sort of started was I started to, you know, we we were doing the work in the space, clients wanted to hear about you know the work that we were doing, so you know you have one client say, "Yeah, we have a conference here. We got like a workshop that you can lead," or you know, and then you know, nationally consulting, you're leading workshops all the time. You're, you're speaking in front of people all the time, so uh, it just led to co- you know this conference, that conference, and then the momentum just grew uh, from there. And 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 you know, even internally, I was getting more innovation type work, and then um, yeah, I just started to be known as the innovation guy, not only internally at Deloitte uh, globally, but also. Um, you know, amongst clients uh, um, outside of Deloitte. And that's really how it started. It was really around the work. You know, in the first 10 years, I didn't say anything. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't, I, I just put my head down, got punched in the face and uh, just <laughs> did the work. And, uh, you know, I think building your credibility around the, your your niche and your expertise was really important and, and jumping into hundreds of organizations, seeing how they navigate innovation and strategy. Um, that was the beginning of it you know, I think the, 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 the fuel, the rocket fuel uh, for me was really around video. It was, uh, that was the catalyst for my speaking career. And then, you know, I, I left Deloitte, you know, three years ago and then decide to, you know, start my own firm and, and advising organizations and, and, and taking some equity in some organizations and, and trying to scale them up. And, and obviously speaking as well. Um, and, and, and to me, it comes down to number one, it was passion around innovation but the other thing was the rocket fuel was the the video piece um and so i always had this notion i'm putting out all this content why don't i just clip it and then put it out to the world right yes you come to a conference and you do this presentation for these 400 people but then you know you could put up a clip out and it could go to thousands or tens of thousands or 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 larger so i i, I would do that every single time right I, I would do a keynote and then i would post it up and then I'd still do this to this day, like I do a keynote, post it up, content. And so this, you know, the, to me, it's the body of work. Uh, you know, so LinkedIn has been my platform uh, really to, to to spread sort of the videos because, you know, it's more of a business audience. And, um, you know, I've just been putting in that sort of grunt work to put out video content and it creates luck, like I mentioned before. It's
0: it's an extraordinary journey, and and, you know uh, because culturally you come you've you've got an East Indian background, and and uh, and I I remember hearing a pretty funny story about your mum and and her plans for her children and the careers that they were supposed to have. What were they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, um, yeah, I joke that uh, you know when you're East Indian in Canada, you know my my parents they risked everything to come to Canada. And so, you know, they want you to get a really safe job, right? They want you to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or, um, you know, an engineer. And so they, they just want you to do something safe. And, uh, you know, my, luckily my brother became a doctor and, you know, they kind of, I, I, I guess I was a failure. Uh, I, I didn't <laughs> become a doctor. I did not do something safe. But yeah, I know I joke around about that um, a ton.
0: I think they said or your mom said um, you said am I a failure and she said yes you are and she said now i wish that your children will become
1: doctors and <laughs> boys yeah well. that's good i you, you, you watch that that's awesome My well I, I was going to ask i was going to ask you because i know you're on this i know you're on this conquest uh, to be you know the top motivational speaker on the planet and you're on your way so why i'm i'm just curious why why do you have this goal? And by the way, you, you connected with Les, who's probably, you know, he was just passing the baton to you, right? Because, you know, for your book, he co-signed it basically. And, you know, he was sort of, you know, one of the greatest of all time. And now he's passing it. It's kind of cool that he's kind of passing it down to you. But wh- 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 where is the motivation there?
0: I was asked this question recently by guy, Keith Abraham. You might have known he's a very successful speaker in Australia. He's a goal-setting yeah. expert, but he's a global speaker, and And I struggled a little bit to answer this. But his, his conversation piece helped me put together something that I think that's more relevant. And, and what it is, Sean, for me to get to this point in my life, for the last six years to have gone through, for me, the biggest transformation ever, to yeah. – have been able to confront head-on my demons and to own everything that happened to me that wasn't my fault, but it was my responsibility. And to look, drugs and alcohol and sex and negative self-talk and limiting beliefs in the eye and, and you know take them by the scruff of the neck and say, you no longer own me. The, the reason I want to, to share this message is I, I want people to not have to experience the levels of pain that I experienced for such sustained periods in their life. And, and I think adversity is important for everyone in order for them to grow. But some people suffer more than others, and there's people out there that have suffered immeasurably more than anything I've experienced. But this is my own experience, and, and my superpower, my gift, is this ability to communicate. I'm not a mathematician. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CPA. You know what I mean. And, and uh, so this is, I feel something divine in the universe sort of struck me with a bolt of lightning and said, "This is your purpose." And I, I'm not a religious guy <laughs> at all. I, I'm very spiritual, in fact. So I hope that answers your question.
1: Yeah, no, I, it, I I love that. So it it goes down, you know, comes back to your why, and and it comes back to you know your experience that you've had. So. No, I love that, and I I can't wait to follow your journey. And you know, the, the the speaking world is so it's like the weirdest world. It's like the weirdest like profession, uh, in the world. Number one, it's like most most people are like, whoa, you you get paid for this. <laughs> and then, second of all, most people, you know, when you go to a conference, you kind of like, it's it's the weirdest thing. Like you know, you have a keynote speaker. Somehow we've. We've told every single conference that you should have a, a man or a woman at the beginning uh, shout at everybody for an hour. And then at the end, somebody else is going to come back and they're going to shout at you again. And then you're going to go on your merry way. Uh, to me, it's, a, it's wild uh, that it exists. But, uh, you know, it's somehow, you know, there's, there's people that have filled this role. And, um, I'm just curious to see what happens after the pandemic and, and, uh, listen, I love it. I it's, it's unbelievable, but it's, it's, it's the strangest job in the world.
0: One of the, one of the, the thoughts that just popped in my mind, as you were saying this, Sean, and I've watched a number of videos of you presenting to some very large audiences. I, I would love to know. If any, what are some of the insecurities that, that bubbled to the top that you discovered after being in front of such big audiences or audiences in general when you started really being a
1: speaker? You know, it's crazy. Like I, I never get nervous um, in a big crowd. I never get – I love the big audiences. I love when there's thousands of people. Um, that's when I get the most jacked up and I'm at like my calmest where I get more nervous is when I'm in my city or I'm in like, like very high level strategic sort of keynotes with only like CEOs and whatnot. Um, and I think it's because you have a level of number one, it's, when things are smaller, you 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 have to you have to you have to work on it a lot more because you have to customize a lot more. Um, and I think the other thing is that the you have insecurities like, do you know this business enough, right? Do you know do you know them enough? You know, when the the, the smaller the room, the more intimate it is, and you want to be able to. Um, yeah, you, it's, it's like, there, there's some dis, there, there's no distance, right? When you have a big crowd, there's distance. Um, but when it's more intimate, you, you really have to know them, right? Because if you, if you, if it's a canned presentation or if it's, you know, if it's off base, like they will find out in a second and you know, you're, you'll, you're, 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 de- you're dead on arrival. Um, and so those smaller meetings, it requires more work and there's a lot more pressure. And the city thing is interesting because, um, like I, I'm, I'm not from a big city here. Uh, you know, we, we have maybe a million people in the city and you know, everybody or, or people know of you. So you can't be a hero. And you know, it's funny because this is like, this podcast is, you know, be your own superhero. It's, it's tough to be your own hero in your own city, right? You almost have to go off, which I've kind of done. You have to go off outside of your city, nationally, globally, make it, and then come back, right? Um, otherwise, you're just kind of the guy that sort of grew up in the city. I don't, that's how I feel. I don't, It's kind of weird, but yeah. I, I don't think
0: it's weird at all. It, and uh, I can... Like I'm only emergent, but I can totally empathise with you because, as far as my family are concerned, like this is a hobby, and and no one gives a monkey's really about, uh, in many cases, the content uh, or the subject matter, and yeah. and it's like, how how can you not be interested in this? It's and while it's revolutionising, you know, other people's lives that I've never even met or spoken to, so. I totally get that and uh, I'm really looking forward to that period of my life where I've done my penance and come back and they're like, "Oh, it's a legitimate thing you're doing here, right?"
1: Yeah, I mean it it's um yeah, it's 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 so weird. Uh I I think when you you sort of um when when I really realize and I, I'm sure this happened to you when you get that first keynote and it's like Maybe, maybe it's the first keynote, but it's, it's, it's the first big keynote, right? And you, you're walking there and I, I still have, even over the last number of years, like when you go to a big keynote, you're, 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 you're there and you're like, why the hell am I here? Like, you, you know, you, you, there's a little bit of self-doubt. You're like, I can't believe I'm here. Um, and you know, you, you, have to embrace the, the opportunity, you have to embrace the opportunity, but you also have to be like, this is cool. Like be grateful, right? Everyone wants this spot right now that you have, uh, be grateful and crush it. And that's why every single thing that I do, um, I put in the work. Like I, I, I don't dog anything. Like every, every talk is my last talk. And so to me, it's, um, you know, especially those big ones, like I, I like like I always try to go there and just crush it. I want everybody to be like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen in my life," and um, yeah, I just, I just know I'm just grateful because I know everyone wants it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a coveted spot.
0: Such a great attitude, Sean, and never a true word is spoken. It's, you know, in, in doing my research for you, I was learning. Uh, it was actually through your interview with uh, with Kevin, and you were talking about this uh, Roman app that you and some some friends started up a few years ago and the the app was was like a messaging app and and like you'd send a message and then you could reply with like 3 seconds of reaction yeah. and I don't want to tell the story for you but maybe just for the audience like and then you did started doing some research because it wasn't that successful and you realized that it came across as disingenuous is that like the crux of what was going on
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Yeah. That was, there was a a number of years ago, but yeah, my friends and I, we had our own, own mobile app firm. This is when, you know, mobile was hot and everybody was, you know, people actually downloaded apps and you could actually get some traction. We created this app. Yeah. It was called Roman where, you know, you would take a picture, you know, in theory, it sounds like a really good idea. You take a picture, uh, you send it to a friend. It Once your friend opens it up, it automatically takes a three-second video reaction of their face and then sends it back to you. It boomerangs back to you. So you can see exactly how they react to this crazy picture, silly picture. Sounds like a fantastic idea. Um, But I think we, just through some ethnographic research, some behavioral research, we sort of learned that this, this, uh, this idea, although sounds phenomenal, will never work for a number of different reasons. Number one, if you actually watch people in the wild, and this is what we did. We went to Starbucks and we actually watched people how they reacted to their phone. If you watch people how they use their phone, they don't react. Like people, people, Like if I, if I sent you a picture of my kids and you were, we were in the same room, you would say, "Ah, so cute. I have, by the way, they cute kids. <laughs> but if I sent you my kids and you weren't there, or I wasn't there and you were just by your there by yourself, you would probably not react at all. Um, We do this thing when we're with each other, we, we, we kind of, you know, it's like a fake nicety. So what we were trying to do, what we were doing was actually replicating something that was actually fake. People don't react. I mean, the other thing that we learned is that when people react and we learned this about females is that, Nobody wants the no female wants to get a reaction video of because most of her phones are down, right? Nobody wants a reaction video of them looking down, so they would always cover the they will always cover the camera, and but you're not going to react looking like this when you actually look great. So you know th- these are silly things that we're like this thing will never work because it's not innately human. And I'll, I'm curious to know what the
0: lesson was from that whole experience. And
1: yeah, I I think for me the lesson was um it, it, the importance of ethnographic research which basically means like follow people out in the wild like people say they like things or these people say they do things but actually observing people in the wild is where you get um the best insights um if i asked you know somebody you know what well, you um and I learned this at you know when I was working at Singapore Press Holdings because um, you know many many years ago it was like one of my first jobs. Um, they asked me like, uh, go on the street and ask people what they wanted from a newspaper. So I asked people, "What do what do you want from a newspaper?" And you know at the time people were like, "Oh, I want like a, I want to be able to read a newspaper on a train." But really, what they wanted to do was, and we never we never we never. That was before mobile and social and cloud and all these things. But really what people want to do is they just want to sit on their phone and uh, just read headlines because I I guess that's what we're at right now. Um, And we never would have thought that. And so I think sometimes people say what they want, but they have no idea. So it's best to just observe them in the wild and see what they do. That's one way of doing it.
0: Well, speaking of observing in the wild, I saw some footage of you a few years ago and then compared it to now. And you have had an extraordinary experience with some weight loss, my man.
1: Well, listen, I, I wanted to ask you, but I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's actually happened over the last, you know, eight months or so, or six months. Uh, I finally just kind of got a trainer and I I started to, you know, just started, you know, when you have two kids, you just eat everything. You know, you're, you're eating the leftovers, eating your wife's leftover, and then you become a garburator for three other people. And so I just needed to be more uh, diligent about what I put in my body. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, I'm sticking with my trainer and, and, and uh, and, uh, hopefully I'll keep it off, but, uh, no, I really appreciate it. And I was going to ask you, you know, because obviously you, you know, you, you're, you're super fit, you, you, help help people with this, you're, 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 you know, you know, this space in and out, but I wanted to ask you about the carnivore diet because i i the only other person i know that had that was on the carnivore diet and you know which was joe rogan and um he was talking about how when he started on the carnivore diet you know he would just get these terrible like runs and then uh but he lost a lot of weight he lost a lot of weight but is this sustainable is it really sustainable uh give me give me the insight
0: so it, it's a really fair
1: and really
0: brilliant question to ask, because when I first heard about this too, Sean, I thought, and I actually said, I remember saying, watching, it was a Joe Rogan interview with Sean Baker, which is where Joe Rogan was originally inspired from. And I was like, this is nuts. And at that point, I had gone through a a large part of my health journey. And for me, how I ended up in here was I had an autoimmune disease for 17 years, and It was another episode on Joe Rogan where we interviewed a functional medicine doctor by the name of Chris Kresser, and he spoke about the link between gluten intolerance and and reflux disorder, heartburn. And I was on really strong medication for 17 years. I was told by 20 different GPs, two surgeons, multiple endoscopies, that what I had was a genetic abnormality. It was incurable, nothing I could do about it. And I watched one podcast with Chris Kresser and Joe Rogan and went, Oh, I wonder if that's me, and then boom, gone, fixed. Wow! And and really? and, so, and so what happened, Sean? I I went. What else are they wrong about? <laughs> because I was pissed off, and 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 so I I started reading and researching, and ended up doing a keto diet. Had some really good success, uh, losing some weight, and and as I came to learn, and, and I'm not really a superficial generic read the headlines kind of guy like I really need to understand how things work so that then I can make an informed decision not just with diet but lots of areas of my things that I deem important at least and and I and as I came to learn there was this whole community of people that had had, autoimmune issues and gut health issues yeah. and IBS and 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 the only way that they you know they'd exhausted all the other options that were out there, you know, including all the medical and then going plant-based and all this other stuff. And it was the magic of removing the plants out of their diet that allowed them to heal. And I was like, this is rather extraordinary. And and so I wanted to n equals one that motherfucker and, and I tried it for <laughs> myself. And what Joe Rogan is experiencing is very common When the gallbladder, uh, it can be a number of things, but usually the gallbladder, it's taking on a lot more fat than it's used to. Our bodies are super, super resilient at at, um, taking a hiding for a long period of time. And it takes a little while to to adjust. It's usually a two-week period. But uh, for the most part, it's been three years. And I'm really fortunate that I was able to document all of my blood work, DEXA scans, biometric scans, or my, you know, all the cholesterol and CAC scans and and my health is improving at an exponential rate. Simultaneously, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I've never been so dialed in. In the three years that I've been doing this, I've achieved more in those three years than I truly feel in the previous 37. You know, I'm 41 in June, in June 2021. And it's not just me, and uh, you know, it, it, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, a flat earther, or an anti-vaxxer necessarily. Like, I just, I just want the truth so I can make an informed decision. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so when you come across something that is at the moment able to improve the mental health, or bipolar and schizophrenia, in sixty six percent of the population, Dr. Chris Palmer, who came on as a guest of the podcast an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, has been treating for for over a decade now, sometimes longer, uh, he's put into full remission one-third of all the patients he treated on a keto diet. So he's not even doing the carnivore diet, which seems to be even more effective. Uh, Another one-third are having significant reductions in their medication and their symptoms. Another one-third at this point, no noticeable change.
1: And now, uh, so what do you, can, can I, can I what are you eating? I want to know, what do you like? You wake up in the morning, <laughs> what are you eating? Like, what do you eat in the morning, uh, or your yeah, lunch, dinner, or uh, you know, whatever schedule you are? What are you eating? I want to know what you ate today.
0: So, I'll, I'll go over the last three days because I think I, I find that pretty funny, right? So, uh, three days ago, all I had for the whole day now, I do drink black coffee,
1: okay,
0: and I occasionally have uh, milk with it. Not often, but if I can get cream from a cafe, which is very rare, uh, is that like a it...
1: treat? Like having a little bit of milk.
0: <laughs> well, the only reason I don't uh, indulge in crazy amounts of milk is that until I get as lean as I would like, I'm still carrying more weight than I would like. Is it's a uh, it's a weight loss sabotage? Uh, yeah, because right. it's it's very calorically dense, right? Right. I can I can tolerate. Uh, some of the less processed dairy pretty well, but anything that's been homogenized and and, uh, pasteurized is no good, right? The raw stuff's good. Hard to get where we are in Australia here. Um, But uh, I had six uh, burger patties from a burger joint. Three of them had cheese on it. Three didn't. And that was, they were about, I'm going to say like 800 grams worth of uh, total uh, so there's two point two pounds and a kilo. So I'm gonna say like, you know, two pounds, two pounds of uh of burger patties.
1: And that's that's all I had for the whole day. No way. uh wait, 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 wait. You you had you had that many patties. Did did you have it spread out during the day? No, I was at a burger joint called Grilled over here and I just
0: smashed them out <laughs> in about
1: 15 minutes. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, great. Uh yes. So just, just patties. No fries. No nah, nothing. Just, no, just no lettuce, patties. No, nothing. But you had and the cheese. You had some, you had a little bit of cheese. A Little bit of cheese, yeah. Sauce, yeah. a little bit of sauce.
0: No sauce. No sauce. Just the patty. No sauce. Uh, yesterday or oh, today I have I had two ribeye steaks. And uh a, a, and a couple of lattes, a couple of flat white coffees, which is like
1: so coffee what time, with milk. What time did you have these ribeyes? Uh, I'm asking like so, really deep so I did, questions.
0: No, no, this is a good question. So this morning I went for a run fasted, which is I, I often do. So I, I yeah. did uh, five miles, about eight kilometers with some hill sprints. And I do it shirtless as well around the botanical gardens to get my of uh, you do. vitamin D. And I look like someone who's escaped from the zoo, but, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I had, uh, at about 9.30, 9.45 this morning, a, a uh, rib Rib-like fillet steak. or scotch fillets. And it was about maybe 350 grams. I'm not sure how many ounces that is or whatever. And then I had another one, uh, about one thirty PM. Cause I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going out tonight with Anna to the, some cricket presentation and it's a set menu and there's a steak sandwich. And I know that I'll pull apart all the lettuce and the bread and just pull the steak out and it'll only be a minute steak, thin one. So it won't be very satiating, but that, that, that's it. That's it.
1: So so, so, so you, 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 uh, so that was at one and you did eat that steak sandwich later in the evening. So we'll, we're going out later tonight. So oh, tonight. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay.
0: So, uh, but it'll it'll probably be 150 grams worth of steak. It won't be much. But so usually, wait, what did you
1: eat? What did you eat this morning? So I've had two two steaks. Oh, that was okay. So this was this morning. Okay, so um, you have not. Yeah, you haven't had any. There's no plants at all. Nothing. No, uh, no carbs. <laughs> nothing. No sugar. Nothing so far. Like no. you, you, you are pretty diligent on this. Well, the. the I have to be
0: Sean and and it's not that I'm doing this out of duress. No, of I've course become, not. You, 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 you're doing it for your own health. Well, it's when you deviate. And if I was to eat, you know, heaven forbid bread, like, which I haven't really eaten at all for five years, four years. Yeah. The response would be this. No jokes. Distended belly, big swelling, bloated, anxiety. I'm not wow. joking. Uh, and and discontent, a general feeling of discontent. And yeah. I know this sounds really dramatic, right? But when you start to to dig deep into how the stomach and the gut works, and you look at the mental health improvements that I've experienced over the last three years, especially, right? And and I've gone through the ringer, like my business. My recruitment business when I started it in, in uh, 2019 was a total unmitigated disaster and I nearly went bankrupt a couple of times, three or four times. My fiance and I have had multiple miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy
1: mm.
0: where she nearly died. And, you know, challenges that people do experience in their life, but it's it's the way in which that I handled all of these experiences that was the most remarkable for me and, and. I absolutely attribute attribute this, Sean, to the diet and and the lifestyle. Yeah. And when you when you stumble across something so significant, something that's so powerful and so empowering, you you have to share this with the world to make sure that you're not dreaming. And and I suppose a lot of the other guests that have been able to be so privileged to have on the show are uh, experts in this field are able to explain a lot of this information uh, in a lot more clearer detail and and that's why that's why I don't care what anyone eats I just want people to know the truth so that they can make an informed decision and if and I know if people could feel as good as I feel for the majority of the time people would pay a lot of money if you could turn that into an injection, I know you can't, there's no shortcuts of
1: this. (laughs) You can't, but, uh, you know, that's my experience timing though. What about the timing? Because it sounds like you're eating just like, you know, either there's no, there's no, uh, there's no particular time. Are you doing like, uh, you said you are obviously working out or running fasting while fasted. Are you, are you doing any sort of intermittent fasting or the timing pieces? Uh, what i'm curious about
0: well a good terminology to use is uh intermittent feasting (laughs) so so it's 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 really simple it's you eat when you're hungry and and you cannot you cannot our bodies have evolved to know when to stop eating when you've eaten too much fat and protein like yeah you, you just cannot over it's like if you ate a a 64 ounce steak like at an all you can eat competition the last thing you want to look at you know is is meat or food or anything for hours and hours and hours and so that's why it's become so simplified like you just eat when you're hungry and sometimes that might be 24 hours might be 36 hours it might be three times in a day when i first started this i was i was Insatiable. I was eating three big meals of meat a day, over two kilos of meat a day, which is uh, you know four or five pounds of meat, maybe more. And I've found that, particularly in the last three to six months, that my appetite has decreased. And yeah. and I've been hypothesising with a few people, some of whom are far smarter than I in this space, and they and they agree that it might be to do with the body having replenished a lot of its nutritional deficiencies uh, from. 37 years of debauchery, you know, and improper nutrition for my body. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see how it sort of pans out in the future, but yeah, hopefully that answers your question.
1: Well, the the, 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 last question I have is really on the food piece is what are you doing for like a cheat? Like, you know, something that you're craving, like something that you, um, you know, most people go to ice cream or chips or something like, do, do you have a craving? So, yeah, full
0: disclosure, I mean, there's been periods of my life where I, you know, the, what I would go to in times of emotional stress would be ice cream or chocolate, and I've been working really hard on that, and I go through periods where I indulge and where I don't. You know, I, I can go sometimes for a month on zero carbohydrate, like um, like nothing, and, and then – you know, I'll, I'll maybe introduce a teaspoon of raw honey and then next minute I've like destroyed like a half a half a kilo of honey and honeycomb and then that might trigger something. A lot of it has stemmed with a lot of this escapism behaviour that related to a lot of my childhood stuff that I've addressed and it's really interesting you ask that question. Recently I had some some major success with a lady by the name of Natalie E West who came on as a guest of the podcast Who's a psychotherapist? And and she did some work with me, this this clinical hypnotherapy, which is not really what you'd expect when you think hypnotherapy. And she was asking me questions that involved a lot of visual uh, stimulus. You know, what period go to a period in your life where you didn't feel like you were good enough. And I sort of searched in my childhood and couldn't find anything. And then it was something that related to a, an ex-girlfriend from like five years ago. Wow. And I won't and I won't bore the audience with the details of the actual part of the relationship but when we addressed a lot of this stuff it, something happened and it was a slow burn it was only a couple of weeks later that i realized and i made this decision 10 days ago and anna and i my my darling fiance who eats the same as i to do a 90 day no sugar challenge mm. and we've both gone this is like day 10 so we'll fill it out at the end of the day and but the, the difference this time is I'm not using willpower. I don't want it. Yeah. It's like all the others. Like I don't miss drinking. I don't miss drugs. I don't miss gambling. And that's the key for any addiction. I think using willpower, like it's a finite force, and you know, and in a moments of weakness it can get you. And this is only early days. I'm not going to proclaim to be healed in Jesus' name or anything. But uh, so far, so good, Sean, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to keep anyone you know, updated on my progress and, and always full disclosure, you can ask me anything you want, as long as you're happy to hear the answer.
1: (laughs) Well, that's amazing. I I think, you know, it definitely smashes everything that we hear when it comes to uh, nutrition. And, um, you know, this is not a space that I know very well, uh, but it does, you know, it's, you know, you grow up learning, you know, three solid meals a day, balanced meals. and you just come in with, with something that's so radical. I love it. I love it. And I, I, I want to try it. I've had some success with my sort of diet, which is don't eat like a maniac. Um, <laughs> but, you, need uh, a, you need to brand that.
0: <laughs> the diet yeah, like like a maniac. Like a maniac.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like overeating. I think, I think um, sometimes we underestimate how much we actually need i mean i i'm I'm speaking totally as a joe blow who knows nothing about nutrition but i i kind of realized that i was just eating way way too much and we just don't need that much especially as i get older
0: well look here are some of the reasons why people might want to try this you know the work that you do sean you are you know focused in that disruption space it's all about adapting or dying really and and uh, how to improve functionality? How to improve efficiencies? And, and what's happened is I've gained hours per day, hours per day. I don't need as much sleep when I eat when I'm disciplined, and when I do, if I do go off the rails, guess what? I need another hour and a half sleep. You know, if I destroy like two pints of ice cream, right? And you know, for someone who used to put two bags of cocaine up his nose, like, you know, is it that bad? Well, <laughs> probably is, but. You know digestion you know level energy like a connectedness like a a sense of ground groundedness that that people talk about a lot which i've experienced you know i started running inexplicably out of the blue and went from running nothing to like ultra marathon distances in no time at all like what i I got no genes for running like i'm five foot eight and i'm like (laughs) built like you know a young rocky (laughs) So, so um, I would encourage anyone to to try it. There's some amazing resources, some really amazing people to follow out there, and and experience it for yourself, yeah. and then make an informed decision. And and that's it. That's 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 the joke.
1: Uh, I love it. Well, listen, I you 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 educated me um, on that piece, and uh, I'm going to explore it more. Uh, I thought it was uh I thought it was bold. I love everything that's bold and, and um it's uh, it's beautiful. Can't wait to can't can't wait to uh, showing you my results.
0: Make sure you take it before and after, because that's that's crucial. Definitely. Sean, I want to ask you on on some of this uh the, the work you're doing at the moment around disruption and is my What's the most fascinating thing on your plate right now that you can share with our very patient audience today
1: um what you know when it comes to disruption well i think uh y- you know to me like this year has really been the uh, the breakout year for blockchain for nfts um i i think that's probably been gotten the most hype when it comes to disruption and what's nft think- for the
0: folks at home sorry
1: Yes, yeah, so sorry. An NFT is a non fungible token. It's essentially a digital asset that's verified by the blockchain. Basically, it means that you can own a piece of the internet, like a piece of media on the internet, and you can actually own it. You know, this podcast that we're doing right now, uh, you could uh, put this out as an NFT and somebody could own this uh, video or this podcast. So it's, it's essentially a digital token. And the reason why it's, you know, exploded over the last number of months is because of this thing called NBA Top Shot. So NBA Top Shot is a, you know, back in the day where you could get, like well, not back in the day, but you can get these, you know, cards, baseball cards, basketball cards, hockey par- cards. I'm sure cricket, you're a big cricket fan. Get these cricket cards, you know, um, of your favorite players. And what they've done with these cards, if they've now put it on the internet, where you can now own a piece of uh, this card and everybody knows who owns what. It's verified by the blockchain, meaning it's verifiable. It's, it's unhackable and, and ver- almost unhackable. And um, it's it's given this idea of, uh, it's, it's allowed uh, the, the, this unbelievable uh, verifiable scarcity, and that that you know, partially, what gives it so much value. And uh, NBA Top Shot, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's now valued at about seven billion dollars. You know, hundreds of thousands of people trying to get these packs. It's it's really been a cultural revolution, and and it's what has uh, spurred this uh, NFT revolution, not only around these highlights, but also in art and in other places as well. And so that's definitely been something that I've been excited about and diving into and and having conversations and and running some experiments. Um, and so th- that's gotta be it.
0: Is the conversation around
1: NFTs and the
0: disbelief in the fact that they can be so valuable probably the same conversation that
1: happened around when cryptocurrency came about? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's it's um you know, it is overhyped right now. It is totally overhyped. I, I, I describe it as, as it's like you're at a club and everyone's having a great time. You know, everyone's on the dance floor. You got the DJ up there. You got, you know, you, you got uh, people in bottle service over here. You know, people making out over there. Everyone's having a really great time. Everyone's getting way too drunk. Everyone is losing their shirt. Everyone's losing money. And, um, you know, the next morning, everyone's going to have a hangover and be like, what the hell did I do? That was a crazy, crazy night. But what's going to happen is that everybody's still going to remember the night. And what they're going to remember is the technology. And the hype The hype period will end. And then what will emerge is really the, the memories of the technology. And then people will do things with that particular technology. So I, we're definitely in the hype phase. It happened in crypto. It happened with the internet. It happened with mobile. Um, every single paradigm shift starts, unbelievable hype, and then everyone sees the potential of technology. Blockchain has been around for a very long time, but it hasn't, you know, hasn't really hit the consumer yet. And so um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where the technology goes, not in this year, I'm saying in the next five to 10 years.
0: Do you have any uh, suggestions of what people should be investing
1: in? You know what? I think getting back to um your book. Which I can I can we just chat about that for 2 seconds because um the best thing that you can invest in is yourself. Your best competitive advantage is yourself. Yes, you could invest in Tesla and in NFTs and Bitcoin and Ethereum, but um you'll get the most value by betting on yourself. And so what does that mean? I would say find your superhero skill, find your superhero, what I call moat, your personal moat, your unfair advantage, and just double, triple down on that. And I think that is what you should be investing in. Um, so I, I, I'll sort of turn it back to you because I, I unfortunately, I, had, I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but, but I resonate with the title And so tell me a little bit about, uh, I'm I'm sure you would agree because you you wrote the book on this.
0: Well, I I promise you, Sean, as soon as I can get it published in any way, shape or form, which will be this year at some point, I will uh, express post or digitally or NFT something (laughs) to you. (laughs) But, and, and thank you so much, I mean, I really have to to thank Les Brown for that because he's the one that inspired that book. But, you know, your advice with the benefit of retrospect of a few minutes is probably exactly what I would say to anyone who asked me the same question because the, the, the inadvertent benefit and side effect of what's happened as a result of me focusing on improving who I am as an individual has created opportunities like this. Yeah. And I will always be super grateful for that. I didn't even, I didn't know what was possible. I didn't know that limiting beliefs were holding me back. I didn't, I didn't know that using sarcasm and negative self-talk was holding me back. And I didn't know that wasting my weekends getting drunk and high and shagging some pretty, you know, <laughs> interesting characters.
1: That's, that's the after party. That's the after <laughs> yeah. that podcast. Hey, that, um, subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> <no different.
0: laughs> but I didn't realize that they were holding me back. And, uh, and I suppose that's, that's the greatest blessing. You know, And apart from the fact that it was incredibly cathartic writing that book as well. Uh, I'm curious to know, have you got a book in you?
1: Well, funny that you asked. Um, I Yeah, I don't have a book yet. Everybody's been asking me for, for years on when's a book coming out. And uh, I just signed with a literary agent uh, last week. Um, and so Congratulations, that was brother. to me. Yeah, thank you. That 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 was a big step because I I you know I, you know I most people that are authors, um, that are successful authors, um, that are successful speakers that have put up books, they're like, don't go through a traditional publisher. The book business is old. It's 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 like totally, you know, not up your alley. Just do it yourself you know, DIY or go through a hybrid publisher. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to um, have the opportunity to have lightning in a bottle. I wanted the opportunity to have a moonshot. Listen, I know most books, you know, 99% of them are mediocre. They fall by the wayside. No one has ever heard of them, but the 1% or less than 1%, they, they, um, you know, they, they they have an opportunity to, to, to touch the world and uh, to impact the world. And to be honest with you, I'm willing to go through the craziness, uh, spend the money, spend the time, get punched in the face, just so that I could have a chance, a chance, a sliver of a chance of a moonshot, which is getting a really great agent, step one getting a really great uh, publisher, step two, and doing everything in my power to position the book and, um, you know, give it the legs that it, it it deserves and it needs and, you know, let everyone else so, sort of decide if it's good or not. But to me, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's the same thing that we did with the virtual keynotes. I know I could. I know I could be on Zoom and look like I'm in an ISIS hostage video. I know I, I I could definitely do it. I mean, just like this, I could do it. But but to differentiate yourself, to to do something compelling, engaging, something that will resonate. Some, you know, I I, I know it takes a lot of time and effort and production and money. But um, I, I just believe in it. I believe it'll pay off.
0: I'm going to make a wild prediction here. I, uh, your book is going to be a bestseller. And I'm not talking about a day on Amazon. Wow. There's just something about you, Sean, that I think, I don't know, just what it is specifically. its I think it's like a naturally developed charisma that I think a lot of, not a lot, but a number of people in this community naturally develop because they are constantly improving themselves they're lifelong learners and the amount of knowledge that you have and that you share is is just obscene in the best way possible and i'm inspired by the writings of john uh, david mann who's the co-author of the go-giver who's coming on the show next week and he released a book called how to write Gooder. how to write Gooder. <laughs> And he's talking about when him and Bob got together and they were putting together the Go Giver, which, for those who don't know, is like sold over a million copies. Iconic Iconic in the business, you know, which is probably even different to like Harry Potter and stuff. Smaller audience, maybe, but they didn't have a clue. They didn't like, they had an idea, but they didn't have a clue how to formulate the book. And I know mine hasn't been published yet or been reviewed or anything, but I've been able to share it with a number of really well-established authors who I've had on the podcast in, you know, small chunks and and I've been able to get some really great feedback. Yeah. And they all say the same thing, you know, like they love the raw authenticity of it all. And I think if, if anyone's thinking about writing something, certainly nonfiction or motivational or whatever, write it, write it like from here and, and, have dino balls and don't be afraid to be judged because like the great man, Les Brown says, what people think of you is none of your business. And so that's <laughs> how that. I did it. So, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like it's already, it's, the book's already given me more than I could have ever wished and I haven't yeah. even released it yet. So what's it going to be like when it comes out? So that's my encouragement to you, Sean.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I, I mean, this, the, the book has to get written because uh I've uh, there's too many people now. Um, involved in the process so uh, it's definitely going to get written and I I definitely appreciate the uh you know support and I yeah I guess it's the first time that I'm sort of announcing this uh that I am writing a book and um no I appreciate it and I can't wait to read yours when it comes out because I love the title and uh, I believe in it so much so there you go
0: well, given the fact that you've got a book to write and probably a deadline that's going to be at some point in the next maybe few months, we better let you get back on to uh, to formulating what you're going to put down on paper. But before we do so, Sean, do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience?
1: Yeah. Well, well number one, I think my concluding thought is um, you need to subscribe to this podcast wherever you are on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you are, because, you know, there's a lot of work put into this. That's number one. And I think uh, number two is, um, you know, I, I talk about this idea of disruption, um, innovation, and I think it can apply to an individual. And I, and if, if you're listening to this and you're in your car or you're running or whatever you're doing, um, try to get yourself fired uh, tomorrow or today or wherever you're listening to this. And that, you know, most people listening to this are probably working for somebody else. Try to get yourself fired. What does that mean? Don't punch somebody in the face. But that just means take a very small risk. Take a very small experiment. Um, And what you'll see is that it will actually change your own trajectory and the trajectory of your organization. So try to get yourself fired. That would be my advice.
0: That's some great advice. And I've been very successful at doing that a couple of times in the last couple of
1: years. (laughs) Where do people find you, Sean? Uh, You know, you can find me um, everywhere at Sean Canungo. I'm on LinkedIn, TikTok, you name it. I think probably LinkedIn is probably the best way uh, to find me and send me a note. And I'm happy to uh, respond and, and, um, you know, we can share notes. And
0: your Twitter post just trawling through a year's worth. Uh, there is some really amazing uh, content in there. I'm not talking like entertain me. Uh, I'm talking like proper handy information that will improve your life exponentially. It's been an absolute delight. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Canungo. It's Laban Ditchburn and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available.